This is the podcast for Woodland Presbyterian Church in Memphis, Tennessee. We are maturing God's people to serve a hurting world. We hope you enjoy the message, and if you'd like to learn more about our church, look us up at woodlandpres.org. Thanks so much. May the Lord bless you. This morning is also a Reformation Sunday. We celebrate the the Reformed heritage as uh, the uh, Presbyterian tradition came out of the um, some of the great reformers such as uh, Martin Luther and John Calvin. Um, some of the core values um, of the Reformation are known as the five solas. Um, <clears throat> can anybody name five solas right off the top of your tongue in Latin? Can you get it? All right. Sola Scriptura, Solus Christus, Sola Fide, Sola Gratia, Soli Deo Gloria. <clears throat> Five solas. So it's uh, basically what it means is that Scripture alone is our final authority. So uh, Sola Scriptura is uh, the final authority of the church rests in Scripture. And so this is uh, coming out of uh, reforming the Roman Catholic Church in the 16th century. Um, sola Christa is basically saying that all of our salvation is rooted in Christ, so Christ alone. So scripture alone, Christ alone, and our faith, which is rooted in Christ, comes by grace alone. So uh, Christ alone, grace alone, and it comes through faith alone in Christ. <clears throat> and all of that is to God's glory, which is soli Deo Gloria. So, so our authority is scripture. Our Savior is Jesus. We come to him through faith, by grace, alone, and it's all to God's glory. So that's kind of the, the core emphasis of the Reformation. Um, <clears throat> some, of the, uh, um, some of the distinguished reformers were like Martin Luther, Philip Melanchthon, and John Calvin, and, so, and uh, many others from their, uh, they were reforming from Rome. Uh, but, the, but at the heart of that really is the gospel of Jesus Christ, is where do we find our salvation? Where is it rooted? And it's rooted in Christ. So this morning, um, as you can maybe tell, our, our theme is Christ alone. Our finishing song will be Christ alone. So not focusing on all the solas, but just one really this morning, Christ alone. Um, but we want to see in Scripture alone that points to Jesus as our risen Savior, and it is by faith alone that we receive the redemption that Jesus alone offers, and it is by grace alone that the entire process of salvation takes place, and it's for God's glory alone. So this morning I would argue with you that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most important story of all time. So we just came off a series of Jonah, where Pastor Matt's been preaching about Jonah, and this morning uh, we're going to kind of con- continue a little bit in a, in a fish theme um, where we're going to talk about um, Peter who was fishing and then he jumps out of the boat and uh, they have a fish fry. I kind of mentioned that earlier, but the fish theme is important there. But I want us to see that it's not just a fish story or a fish tale. I want us to see that it's the most important story uh, that you will ever hear or know. It's the story that includes the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so uh, uh, there, are, there are those in our midst uh, or in our culture 
who would want us to uh, not believe this story. There's a lot of uh, cultural oppression uh, right now to try to make you doubt this book. Okay, this book is true and errant, and and it's a uh, and it tells us about our Savior. And so um, people want to uh, diminish this and make us doubt it. And so this morning, the the trajectory of the sermon is really to help us uh, for those of us who are in Christ that love Jesus but maybe we struggle like Thomas with a little bit of doubt. We, um, this morning, I want you to see what they saw and hopefully come away with some more confidence in your faith. And if you're here this morning and you don't have faith in Jesus and you're thinking, yeah, he's right, this book is, is not trustworthy, then I want, hopefully the Holy Spirit will soften your heart and that you will see by what we look at this morning that you'll see that it is true and that um, you have a decision to make. John 5.29 says, um, says that you will be um, in with, because of Jesus, all people will either be raised to life or raised to judgment. So there has to be a decision. It's not something that you can just ignore. So we want to um, continue in that trajectory. So... Um, so a lot of people in the past uh, have said, well, I don't believe it's true, but um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek to disprove it. So some of you may have heard of uh, Lee Strobel. Uh, Lee Strobel, he was a journalist, and he got involved in doing movies about uh, Christ. But at first, he didn't believe in Jesus. He uh, thought, well, that's a bunch of hocus-pocus, and I'm, I'm going to use my journalistic skills, and I'm going to disprove that Jesus's claims are real. So he set out to disprove the claims and guess what? He became a Christian because he did the research and he realized like these claims are very valid. And so he wrote books such as um, The Case for Christ, The Case for Heaven, and The Case for Miracles along with he contributed to a lot of movies and things like that. So many of you have probably heard of him but anyway he's a good example of what I'm trying to say is that there are people that doubt Jesus when they actually do their homework they realize well Jesus is a real person so I have to I have to deal with Jesus and so how am I going to deal with him I'm not is he going to be my Lord or am I going to try to just ignore him and so uh, this morning I want to I want to uh, show us that there's a there's um in the gospel of John we're going, to, we're going to go to John 20, and so in your, um, in your pew Bible, it is 8.52 and 8.53. Um, so I want us to see that, um, that Jesus uh, really did rise from the dead, and then we're going to interact with, the, we're going to interact with four people that, that uh, interacted with Jesus um, starting in John 20. So if you're opening up your Bible and you're looking at John 20, I know it's a lot to follow. I will, I'm going to walk us through the first three interactions with Mary Magdalene, the disciples without Thomas, and then, um, and then I'll walk us through the, the interaction with Thomas. And then we'll actually read our fish story for this morning. So it's a little bit of a out-of-order sermon. So if you're used to reading your text and then going point by point. This is a little bit different, but we're going to go through Mary Magdalene, the disciples without Thomas, Thomas, 
and then Peter. And we're also using, there's an there's a, uh, outline on the back of your bulletin, and we're going to be using this grid, the miracle, the meeting, the meal, and the mission to help us follow. So I've been concentrating on this passage all week, so I'm trying to keep you with me. But, um, but just remember, at the end of the sermon, I want you to say this morning, I want you to say, um, I have seen the Lord Jesus. That's what I want you to say at the end of this sermon, okay? So, uh, page 852, 853 is where we are. We're, uh, our actual scriptures, John 21, 1 through 14, but we're not going to read that yet. Okay, so starting basically right from the beginning of chapter 20, and this is right where uh, Jesus has been crucified. He's been put into the tomb, and... Um, and so, henceforth, the resurrection. So, the trajectory here with Mary Magdalene is that she goes from, from sadness, seeing the empty tomb, to that she's seen the Lord. So, let's, let's walk through this. So, Mary goes to the tomb and sees that it's empty. She runs and tells Peter and John. Peter and John race to the tomb and see that the tomb is empty. They go in and check it out, and in verse uh, chapter 20, verse 8, says that they believe that Jesus was missing. So John and Peter, they go in, they see he's missing. So then they go back, they go back home. So Jesus is gone, they go back home. So Mary Magdalene is standing there crying. Her, her Savior is gone, and she is, she's standing there weeping. So Mary then has two interactions. She has interactions with two angels, and then she interacts with Jesus, whom she doesn't immediately recognize. She thinks he's the gardener, so she interacts with him like that. And then, and then Jesus says to her, Mary, and she, she recognizes, like, Rabboni, she says. So they have this intimate personal dialogue like Jesus is right there Mary and she turns to him Rabboni and then it doesn't say this specifically but she turns and gives him a big hug because the next statement says that Jesus asked her to let go <laughs> let go of me because we have work to do and uh, and then at that at this point then she, then Jesus tells Mary hey you need to go back to the disciples and you need to tell them, and he refers to the disciples as my brothers. He says, go back to the disciples and tell the brothers that I am going to ascend to my father and your father to my God and your, and your God. So right here we see that God is, is a personal and intimate God. He, he comes back, he's resurrected. He interacts with Mary on a personal level. She gives him a, a great big hug. He's like, okay, uh, we, we've got work to do. I've got to go and ascend, so let's move on from there. So he gives her a mission. He says, go back and tell him that I'm going to ascend. And what does she do? She runs back to the disciples and she says, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. She forgot the mission, right? She was so excited because she saw the Lord. She was crying, she was sad, and now she's rejoicing. I have seen the Lord. So 
so if we look at our grid, the miracle, right? So the first miracle is Jesus, Jesus is alive, right? And then that's the big one, but he reveals himself to Mary. And then the meeting, we see this personal meeting between Mary and Jesus, and they embrace, and there's tears. The tears go to joy and excitement, and we're going to skip the meal part on this one. And then the mission, Jesus has a mission. Go tell them, go tell the disciples that I'm, a, I'm here and, and I'm going to be ascending to my father and your father. We are the house of God is basically what he's saying, and this is happening. Okay, so moving on to our next encounter. So that's Mary Magdalene. The next encounter we see in chapter 20, 19 through 23, we see Jesus appears to the disciples, but Thomas is not there. So that's a key point. So I'm going to run through this real quick. So Jesus came to the disciples who were in fear, it says in the text there. They were in fear, and he shows them his hands and his side. So Jesus is revealing himself. He's been crucified. He shows them the nail-scarred hands, and he shows them the, the, the wound in his side. And at first, the disciples were afraid, and then it says in verse 20, they moved to rejoicing. So they were scared. Now they're rejoicing. Jesus is in their midst, and, um, and they're moving from fear to rejoicing. So Jesus reveals himself to the disciples, and he says to them, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So we get that mission piece right there. So again, Jesus is, is the miracles there. Jesus is revealing himself. Jesus is meeting with the disciples. There's this change from fear to joy, and then he gives them the mission. Remember that, that I'm going to be sending you. So Jesus then empowers them by the Holy Spirit to forgive sins, and then, um, and then we, we move on from there. Okay, so, so, we've had, so we've had Mary, and she says, I have seen the Lord. And now we have the disciples who have moved from fear to rejoicing. And in verse 24, this is chapter 20 still, verse 24, it says, the disciples go to Thomas and they say, we have seen the Lord. So Mary says, I have seen the Lord. Thomas, or the disciples all say to Thomas, we have seen the Lord. So you think he, well, you think he would take their word for it, right? But we know, you know, Thomas is the doubter, right? We all know Thomas the doubter. So Thomas says, uh, no way. Uh, you guys are crazy. You know, unless I actually touch his hands and feel the, the nail-scarred hands and put my hand in his side, unless I do that, there's no way that I will believe it. This is the biggest fish tale that's ever occurred. This is Thomas, one of his disciples, saying this. But eight days later, another miracle happens. They're in a, they're in a similar situation. They're in a locked room. They are afraid, and Jesus appears to them. And he goes to Thomas, and he goes right to him, and he says, Thomas, put your finger right here in my nail-scarred hands, right here. And then he says, place your hand right here on my side where I've been wounded. And Thomas, he does it. 
and he is changed. And, and Jesus says to him, and he's saying this to us this morning, he says, do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. So he believed. Mary has seen the Lord. The disciples, we have seen the Lord. Thomas now says, my Lord and my God. And then John says right there, he says, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen the nail-scarred hands? <clears throat> have you seen the wound in his side? He did it for you, brothers and sisters. He went to the cross for you. The whole trajectory of this book, of this gospel, was written so that you would believe. So that you would believe. Now, there's different kinds of literature in the, in the Bible, right? There's historical narrative. There's apocalyptic literature. There's poetry. There's all different kinds. This is a gospel which is like a biography, which is factual, but it has a trajectory. A gospel is a biography with a trajectory, and the trajectory is for you to believe. So if you're a believer, I want you to be confident in your belief. If you're not a believer, I want you to believe. That's what John was trying to get us to see. Mary said, I, I have seen the Lord. The disciples said, we have seen the Lord. Thomas said, my Lord, my God. And now we come to our passage for the day, the greatest fish story ever. So if you are able, please stand for the reading of God's word. John 21. <clears throat> John 21, verses uh, 1 through 14. Hear the word of the Lord. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. <clears throat> and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children or boys, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for the work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from, from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. 
And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came back and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. uh, just reminds us of who you are and how much you love us. Uh, We pray that you would uh, soften our hearts, Lord. Help us to see you this morning, that you are our Lord and Savior, and that you love us. We pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So, as we look at this passage, as we've gone, as we just read, the, um, I love this passage because it just reminds me of, um, like, camping when I was a kid, uh, going fishing with dad, and, you know, you catch a fresh fish, and you go, and you build a fire, and you cook it over the fire, and it's just, it's so memorable, and um, I think this story just sticks in my mind because it is so memorable, but... The main thing that I want us to see here is the miracle, right? So now we're we're on our miracle grid. So some people would say in this passage that the miracle was the fish, right? That uh, they caught nothing, they went out, and then uh, Jesus says, hey, put the net over on the right side, and and then they caught 153 fish. So I'd say that's probably like a, I don't know if there's a, theological category for a minor miracle but you know technically somebody could reproduce that event you know if they threw the net out and they got 153 big fish so but we don't want to get hung up on the minor miracle the bigger miracle there is again it's Jesus and he's on the shore and he's calling out to the disciples and so the way that they react reminds us that it's really Jesus So let's move on to the meeting. So what's the big meeting in this passage? Who stands out to you? Um, There was, Thomas was on on the boat, but really whose big reaction is the one that stands out? It's really Peter, right? So Peter, he's got his outer garment off and he's been working, tending the nets, even though they haven't caught anything. And, um, and then Peter's reaction is like, uh, it's John, the disciple whom Jesus loves, says to Peter, it's the Lord. And then Peter says, it's the Lord. And you got to think about the fact, when was the last time there was a charcoal fire that Peter was around? Back earlier in the Gospel of John, it says that Peter was around a charcoal fire when he denied Jesus three times. So he's probably been, you know, dealing with the fact that, man, I've, de- I've denied my Lord. And, you know, here's this opportunity. John says, it's the Lord. He's so excited, he can't wait for the boat to go 100 yards to the shore. That he just, he grabs his outer garment and he jumps in. I can just see it. It would be, that would be an awesome sight. And uh, for some of you, maybe you have Labrador retrievers. 
uh, you kind of envision that like on a voice command where you're like, you're like, go boy, and you throw something and they just jump and they just go barreling through the water like that. Like, I'm not saying Peter's a big dog. I'm not saying that. But, you know, you kind of get the vision that, like, Peter heard his Lord, and he couldn't wait. He jumped in. And so it reminds me, it reminds me of that kind of, a, that kind of a thing. Now, Peter, it says later in the passage, it says, Peter by himself went and grabbed the net full of 153 fish and pulled it pulled it up to shore by himself. That's what it says. So like, you're talking about a big guy, a strong guy, a manly man, a fisherman, and he's jumping in the water to go see his Lord, all right? I think he saw the Lord. That's what I'm getting at there. All right, so then, so then uh, we'll jump to the meal. So what's the meal? So we have fish and bread. Well. I love this about Jesus. He is gathering his team. This is like leadership, leadership 101 here, application. Jesus is not leaving any of his team behind. He is, he's making sure Thomas is on board, that Thomas agrees that Jesus is Lord. He's making sure that Peter's on board for this big mission that's coming. And he gathers them around the campfire again and he, and he feeds them. Doesn't this, it reminds us a lot of like the Last Supper, you know, or the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and the 4,000, where he takes the bread and he takes the fish and he feeds his people. But, but this is after he was crucified and dead and buried and rose on the third day. Jesus does it again, and it's that same pattern. He meets his disciples. He's getting them on board for the big mission that's coming. And then, um, so, so he focuses on the mission. So are you seeing what I'm seeing? Are you seeing the Lord this morning? What did Mary say? Mary said, I have seen the Lord. What did the disciples say? We have seen the Lord. What did Thomas say? My Lord, my God. What did Peter do? He jumped into the water, and then in the next passage we didn't get to, when Jesus is talking directly to Peter, Peter says, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. They all saw Jesus. They all met Jesus. And it is Jesus alone who is our way of salvation. So do you, do you see Jesus this morning? We want, God is building his kingdom here, and he wants to do it as a family. Earlier on, when I mentioned that um, he gave, Jesus gave uh, Mary Magdalene, the, the mission is to go, go tell the brothers that I have to go to my father, who is also your father. Like, we are God's family. If you believe in Jesus, then you are adopted into God's family, and and he did that for you. His nail-scarred hands, his wounded side, his finished work on the cross, Christ alone, he did that for you. Now, um, and the mission, right? John, John 4, 19, write that down somewhere. John 4, 19, that's your mission. It says, go make, 
He says, it says, I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men, John 4, 19. That's the mission, the great commission. So we have the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the great commission, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded to the ends of the earth, to every tribe, nation, people, and tongue. Go make fishers of men. That's the mission that we have. And we're called to do that. And so whether that's uh, praying for missionaries, supporting missionaries, going and being a missionary, whatever it is, that's our mission. Jesus comes and meets us. He feeds us. He is our living water. He is the bread of life. And he gives us a mission to go and make fishers of men. So this morning, I hope that you have seen Jesus. Mary did. The disciples did. Thomas did. Peter certainly did. And I'm thankful that this pattern played out in my life uh, when I was, I had not seen Jesus. No one had told me about Jesus. And um, my father-in-law is here this morning, thankful for him, but he shared the gospel with me for the first time in my life, and he walked me through and said, look, Jesus is here. Jesus is in here, and, and, and you should trust him. He's real, and you should trust him, and thankfully, I followed through on that, and I committed my life to follow my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and this passage this morning, I'm so encouraged because it builds my faith that I know that my faith is in a real person, a real Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want you to have that same confidence in your faith as we go forward, knowing that, that your salvation is rooted in Christ alone, and he is real. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message from Woodland Presbyterian Church, maturing God's people to serve a hurting world. Again, if you'd like to learn more about our congregation, please visit us at woodlandpres.org. Thank you very much, and God bless you today.